So welcome to Social Media Podcast. Welcome to Social Media Today we're going to be covering minute number 78, which goes from 1 hour 17 to 1 hour 17.59 on the clock. Uh, we start the minute with Mark finishing his extremely long speech about some coding, um, talking about how the candidate responsible has to drink a shot. Uh, it seems to be mostly a drinking game that he's explaining rather than any actual programming. Um, and as they get to, as he says, they've got to drink a shot every three minutes, a bell is rung and they all drink a shot. Um, and then, you know, we find out who is victorious um, and he is welcomed to Facebook, uh, which is notable, not the Facebook. He's, you know, he's introduced to, he's welcomed to Facebook. So obviously they've already dropped the the. Um, and then obviously... Uh, in the script, it is said that they queue up California, you know, It's Time to Party, a Dr. Dre song. But actually, in the film, uh, they jump 50 seconds into California Uberellas. And I'm not quite... I mean, Dustin's got it queued up at that point, uh, which obviously we could talk about once we get into it. And joining to talk about, about this today is Joff. Welcome back. Hey, glad to be back. Now, obviously, I didn't mention in the middle of that that there's a whole thing about, you know, what part, what part is required, um, you know, to, for them to do the, the job, you know, drunk. Um, and Mark says, you're right. A more relevant test might be seen if they can keep a chicken alive for a week. Um, and then he goes, that was me. <laughs> and, and I kind of like that, you know, he brings that back just for one last attack. And then also kind of gives him the excuse. He gives himself the excuse of saying, oh, I'm sorry, that was mean. So Eduardo kind of can't say anything about it. Um, and they kind of move on very quickly where Eduardo gives Mark more money. And he says, you know, he's opened a new account. He's put 18,000 in. Will that get you through the summer? Um, and, you know, Mark kind of is happy that Eduardo has done this. Um, and that's just as the interns uh, who are named on in the script as Eric and Ian. Um, are then welcomed to, um, you know, the the Facebook, uh, which obviously has already dropped thither. But uh, yeah, uh, it's it's weird because in the script there are a lot of references to Asian girls, <laughs> and um, in in this particular scene as well, it says uh, a pretty Asian girl hits an MP3 player that's hooked up to speakers, and the Dr. Dre song, you know, blares out California is time to party. Obviously, in the film. Dustin Moskovitz is the one who hits play on a cassette recorder, it looks like, and, it hit, and, and we're suddenly 50 seconds into California Uberalis, just so we can get the words California Uberalis, rather than having to wait for the build-up, which would have been funny, actually, if they'd all had to stand there while the intro to California Uberalis played for, like, 50 seconds. Oh, that wouldn't have worked at all. <laughs> yeah, if you're familiar with that, I mean, it starts with a really dark, foreboding for a really long time which if people were would be like can what do you, can you play something fun <laughs> what, what's that yeah. music i mean i love that song it's uh, and i actually have a bunch of notes about it um, but yeah <laughs> it's yeah and is it a cassette player if it's a cassette player it's it's wild that it's queued up to the exact right moment because i did a radio show in college in the 90s and and some some of my punk collection was still on cassettes and i used to queue up those cassettes before the show every week which is a gigantic pain like you've got to <laughs> you've got to listen to it till it gets to the song and then eject the cassette and then manually turn the wheel a little bit back and it's not an exact science so i would constantly say like and here we have 
the Misfits, and then it would just play a little <laughs> bit of the end of the last song, and then there'd be some silence, and then the song would start, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad yeah, that I mean, this is not my job. <laughs> to me, it looks like, um, you know, a single cassette deck with speakers either side. That's what it looks like to me. But, you know, it could be something more complex than that that's been queued up to play California Uber Alice at, at, at the touch of a button. But it looks like he's basically taking it off pause and letting it play, um, you know, for, for that kind of climax. So uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny that he's got it queued up because obviously if you don't know the song and I'm going to have to say I'm not you know, like a, a huge kind of punk fan. Um, it's kind of just convenient that it starts up with the words California Uber Alice, um, which obviously is the name of the song. Uh, but it, it's like it's weird because who was who was Dustin designed that for? Like he's set that up so at the moment of victory it will play California Uberales, but it's like kind of who's who particularly cares about that? Like there's a rowdy crowd of like sixty drunk people effectively. Like there's at least five very drunk kind of programmers. Like who's bothered that the song's going to start with California Uberales? <laughs> like. It's it's really weird that Dustin's done it because obviously he's only done it for the film. Like the only reason that it's been queued up at that point is for the effect in the film. Um, and we do get this wonderful shot as as it plays. Uh, Dustin does like some kind of fist punches as he <laughs> as it says California yeah. Uber Alice. And then and then at the camera kind of shows us, um, you know, Eduardo and he's smiling and he's happy and he's looking around the room. And Andrew Garfield just kind of. It's weird because he kind of seems to be playing this kind of last moment of joy from from Eduardo. Like, this is the last time he's going to be happy with anything to do with Facebook. Because from this point on, it's just going to become like, they're going to go out to California and everything's going to completely change. And this is kind of like almost him smiling at the very last moments of, you know, what they have created. Which was, you know, the, the project that was in the dorm, um, you know, that sprang from Face Mash and like, so this feels like a very kind of definitive end for like the old kind of Facebook and the kind of start of the new Facebook. And that's, you know, it's nice that Dustin has queued up California Uber Alice to signal that to everybody. <laughs> so we know that, you know, from this point on, they're going to be in California and the business, it never, it never kind of moved back. Like it went out to the West coast and that's where they've been for 15 years. Like, you know, they've, they've never come back to the East Coast. So this is effectively like, you know, this is the last time they're going to be at Harvard. This is the final kind of moments of um, Facebook on the East Coast. Um, so it's kind of interesting that, you know, uh, we've got this kind of shot of Eduardo and he's kind of smiling and he's looking happy. And <laughs> it's, it's kind of it's kind of like, um, OK, I, you know, I guess that's kind of like, you know, this is the final moments of Eduardo being happy that he's involved with Facebook. Um, uh, although I say later on, you know, we kind of, we kind of get a little bit of that, um, you know, with, uh, you know, with, with kind of some of the stuff just before the kind of the party, before Eduardo finds out what's happened to his stock, basically, <laughs> there's still a little bit of him being happy, but him and Mark spend a lot less time together in the past and it's mostly going to be in the present, um, you know, and I should say as well, obviously, we, we, we do kind of jump the last kind of few seconds of the episode are, you know, everyone it kind of jumps into the present um, and Gretchen kind of points out, you know, 18,000. And it's like in addition to the the 1000 and, you know, a total of 19,000. And this is, you know, the minute completely finishes with Mark going, hang on. Obviously, we'll get the punchline to that tomorrow. Um, but like, you know, we're, we're kind of emphasizing the fact that Eduardo is the only one up until this point who spent any money on this thing. Um, and the interesting thing is in real life, he didn't put 18,000 into a new account. <laughs> he, 
he actually only put 10,000 into a new account. Um, so it, I don't know why they chose to make the number bigger. It's it's kind of weird, but, um, you know, there, there were a couple of um, articles from around the time that this film came out that kind of researched what things were true and not in the film. And one of the things that was kind of true was that, you know, Eduardo was the one who had been funding Facebook up until this point, but not to the sum of 18,000. <laughs> He'd only put 10,000 in there, um, you know, for the for them to kind of cover the, the rental of the house um, and everything else that kind of went on in Palo Alto. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, is I mean, I think the... Uh, the kind of the interns winning is kind of a, a a weird thing where like obviously it's going on in the background throughout the kind of discussion between Eduardo and Mark and about what would be a good test. Uh, Mark has already explained to us, you know, whenever the server detects an intrusion, the candidate responsible has to drink a shot. Uh, there's a program that runs which puts pop-up windows up on all five computers and the last person to get rid of the window has to drink a shot. And every three minutes, they have to drink a shot. <laughs> and so like... The first half of the explanation started out with Python servers and SSL and all this. So, like, lots of jargon. The second half is just basically they're going to have to drink a shot three times a minute, basically. Um, and, of course, just as Mark says every three minutes they have to drink a shot, Dustin kind of rings a bell and yells three minutes. And then, of course, they all have to drink a shot. Um, and then, you know, that's when I do other questions why they need to be drunk. Um, you know, and obviously that leads to Mark making one more shot about the chicken. Um, but yeah, I, I the it, once they once they get to the end, you know, two of the candidates, um, their hands shoot up, and Eric and Ian, you know, uh, Mark goes and check one screen, then he checks the second, and then he says, "Welcome to Facebook," and kind of shakes their hands. So we've got our two interns who are going to go to California, um, and as I say, that's the moment where California Uber Alice plays. Um, and what did you have to say about that, Joel? Well, first, I agree that. California Love by Tupac featuring Dr. Dre would have been a, a much more appropriate choice for a, a college party and 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 much more realistic song to have queued up. But I guess they liked that California Uber Alice kind of gave it a little bit more punk cred. That's so fun facts about that track. It was the first single by the Dead Kennedys. 1979, they released it on their own indie label, Alternative Tentacles. And there have been two sequels, one by the Dead Kennedys and one by the lead singer, Jello Biafra, with another band, kind of returning to the song and kind of reinventing it for different kind of political time periods. So they, kind of closer to the time of the original, they did a sequel on the album In God We Trust Incorporated. And it was the same song with new lyrics and a new title, We've Got a Bigger Problem Now. And so instead of being about Governor Jerry Brown, it was about Reagan. And then much more recently, they did... California Uber Alice 21st Century, and this was Jello Biafra with the Melvins, and it's about Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I definitely recommend checking out you know all three versions. I'm personally you know, partial to We've Got a Bigger Problem Now because it, it's it, it's got it's got you know the chorus is like that driving punk California Uber Alice, 
but it's got a couple minutes lead in sort of a like a slow down jazzy version and and jello's got a hilarious voice so it's and you hear a little bit of his prattle with the audience so it's it really gives you a little bit of that that intimate sense of a live punk show but then it still delivers with that California Uber Alice, like punk rock chorus uh, payoff. So yeah, it's all good stuff, uh, but it's interesting that California Love was what was in the script because, you know, something that we'll see payoff in, in tomorrow's minutes, but we can talk about when we get there. But back to the drinking game. So I found this to be the most Sorkin-esque dialogue of of this week that you've had me on. Uh, it's the way that he is kind of rapid fire, breaking down the rules, and there's this kind of nice repetition of they do this and they do that, and then they take a shot, and they do this and they do that other thing, and then they take a shot. And then especially, as you noted, the way he says, and every three minutes, they've got to take a shot, and then it boom right into someone saying three minutes and then everyone woo as they take a shot so that just the timing is so perfect and 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 so sorkin so i really enjoyed that and it also fits like the the um it's it's kind of the rule of threes except he says it four times because he says every tenth line of code they have to drink a shot um if they detect an intrusion the candidate responsible has to drink a shot and he's like, the last candidate to clear the window has to drink a shot. So he kind of says they have to drink a shot three times. And then he says, plus every three minutes, they have to drink a shot. So although he said he's kind of fit the rule of three by saying it three times. And then he literally says, and every three minutes, they have to drink a oh. shot. So, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's like, there's, so it's like a fourth time he says they have to drink a shot. But he says it on the three minutes thing, just as somebody else says three minutes. So it's. It's like a, a weird kind of thing where it's like, oh, so they've they basically got a they're, they're pretty much doing like at least three shots a minute and then they drink a shot every three minutes. Um, so it's like over the course of like three minutes, they would have drunk 10 shots, basically, which is it's, it's kind of that's an insane amount. Um, but again, this is this is something that's throughout the film as well is um these are not 21 year olds. These are all under the age of 20. So. This is also this is in this is on you know Harvard property. There's a bunch of basically teenagers drinking shots every couple of minutes, um, while there's like a big crowd that are all get drinking as well. Like there's a lot of drinking going on, um, and this is something that's happened in the film a few times as well. Is like um, you know and will happen you know before the end of this week one more time. You know when Mark was blogging he was drunk. When he was at the bar he was only you know with Erica because the bar you know the the guy let them in. Uh, you know, to basically drink underage. And there's been other places throughout the film where, you know, when they were they were having their meeting with um, with Sean Parker, they were worried about getting carded because they're underage. So there's this weird thing, like, throughout the film, they're kind of having to get around being able to drink kind of in public, and then in private, they're also drinking a lot as well. <laughs> so there's a surprising amount of drinking going on throughout this film, but then the image of Mark Zuckerberg that most people get from this film is that he was some kind of loner who 
like never you know touched a drop or something like that. there's this weird kind of thing of like him being this kind of lonely sober person where he's drinking as much as anybody else in this film um so you know i would even argue with sean parker he has a lot of drinks you know he gets probably fairly drunk you know um which is why he probably argues in the taxi with eduardo um, so it's kind of weird that this this scene is kind of built a little bit around kind of the spectacle of the programming and the drinking. Um, but it's just, I don't know, it's just a weird thing that this film has a lot of drinking in. More drinking than you'd expect for a story about people under the age of 21, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I want to say, if we do, as we were wondering um, earlier in the week, have any computer programmers amongst our listeners, um, don't play this drinking game at home. This does not seem safe. <laughs> no, no. I th- I think even if you even if you're good enough to program ten lines of code and get past the pop up, you're still drinking at least two or three shots a minute. Um, and obviously that they're they're kind of already on a timeline to try and beat it within a few minutes anyway. But it's still does. I'm gonna. I get the feeling that the you know the two people who are successful. Um, you know, are probably <laughs> probably fairly drunk by the time they actually get accepted. Um, which probably explains why everyone is so kind of excited about, you know, what is effectively a bunch of people sitting in front of computers. Um, you know, a challenge of the film is obviously a lot of it is sitting in front of computers and Aaron Sorkin kind of makes it interesting by having people do other things. So in this case, it's a lot of people drinking and kind of getting rowdy. Um, and, you know, Eric and Ian are the successful candidates. I think we'll see at least one of them once we get to California, um, you know, because they're quite prominent um you know once they're there but i think in california they get some extra programmers anyway so whoever is here there's you know i'm sure one of the runner runners up probably did just as well and could probably go out there if they you know if they needed another um you know programmer um you know the amount of programming that's going on they probably needed more than just two interns to be, to be honest but you know i guess you just advertise for two interns and see who shows up and you know if you get a crowd then obviously you can maybe allow for another intern or something so I think that Eduardo had a good point asking what does what, what does this test have anything to do with them and their qualifications for being an intern which as you said is just the setup for Mark to get one more dig about the chicken in and I didn't find anything strange about that but I did find it very odd that he had the uncharacteristic self-awareness to say that was mean. I I can't think <laughs> of another time in the movie that he shows any kind of empathy or or emotional intelligence. So I just wonder why is this why is this the moment that suddenly he realizes this was mean. The only thing I can think of is that they wanted they wanted to have something to remind you as the audience that at their core they are starting out as friends. So that then when they flash forward to them at the deposition, then how far they've been driven apart is dramatized. Was that your take on it? Yeah, I I think there's a lot of stuff in the particularly when they were counting up last week where. 
they're being there's kind of it's more playful and then when you see in the present basically mark is saying nothing and eduardo is just complaining and it's just a contrast yeah um, although i'd say mark had one other moment where he had empathy which was when he tried to apologize for erica um when he saw her in the restaurant when you know and he he tried to apologize but then she was like good luck with your computer thing um and you know he that <laughs> so he didn't get to apologize to her and that just made him more bitter um but he at least kind of acknowledged that he'd made a mistake um you know and tried to apologize and i think maybe that's one of the things here where he kind of realized maybe you know as soon as he says it he's like well that was mean like he's he's a little more self-aware i'd say than the, the kind of character we saw at the beginning of the film not by much but you know enough to kind of be a bit of a contrast um but anyway, we will get on to some fun stuff with the 19,000 tomorrow. Uh, the Wednesday question is, uh, what are your thoughts on other David Fincher films? So my two favorites are Gone Girl and The Game. So I really like the like, twisty David Fincher, like really mess with your mind. I think that's where he's, that, that's his wheelhouse for my taste. Yeah, I mean, I really, I really enjoy the game. Like I said a few times, it was the first film that I saw at the cinema that you know is my regular cinema for the last uh, twenty-two years now, <laughs> um, and uh, so obviously that has like a special place. But I, even recent, even in recent months, I've kind of occasionally like it's. I think it's been on like Amazon Prime, and I've just been like, oh, I'll just watch the game. Like you know, it's it's just a fun kind of watching Michael Douglas kind of getting tortured, uh, and Sean Penn, of course, is very charming in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, both Michael Douglas and Sean Penn these days probably less charming people, I would say. <laughs> Sean Penn certainly, Michael Douglas a little bit iffy. He made some statements about his throat cancer that you know people were like, I don't know what you're talking about, Michael. Um, but yeah, so you know that that's a fun film, and I I re- I mean you know Gongo was the last thing that he did, so you know I'm still waiting for another film from him at least. Um, as fun as it is to watch him do TV stuff, I would re- you know I'm looking forward to like whatever he does uh, in the cinema. So obviously at this point, Gone Girl is the last film that he's done. Um, but yeah, I think he he's really good at kind of elevating, you know, uh, like. I, I guess Gone Girl could have been seen as a bit of a kind of like trashy kind of thriller. Um, but I think just the way that he directs and the performances in that and, um, you know, just everything about it. It's so well executed. It's it's kind of crazy. I saw that film at the cinema twice um, and I, I, I saw it the second time because I wanted to feel the reaction of people who didn't know what was coming at the middle of the film. Oh, <laughs> and interesting. And so, because obviously once I'm, I've seen it for the, I didn't read the book, so I've seen it for the first time and I'm kind of like trying to kind of keep up with what's going on in the film. And then the twist comes and I'm like, what the, and then like another twist comes later on (laughs) and a particularly bloody twist, I should say. Um, And so I'm like, okay, what's like, where is this film going? What's happening? And then once I fully kind of understood what had happened, I was like, well, it's going to be worth seeing that a second time just to feel the audience kind of catch the twists mm-hmm. um and that that was kind of uh, you know that's sometimes those are the best cinema experiences is when you see a film a second time one of those that i recently enjoyed was um i saw rogue one a second time at the cinema simply because i went i, I saw it i saw it like opening night by myself then i went with a few friends that, that kind of a couple of days later saw it on imax and just the moment when darth vader appears uh, at the end of rogue one uh, for people who haven't seen it, Darth Vader's in that film. Shouldn't be surprising for a Star Wars film. But when he appears, it's amazing. 
and just like seeing it with my like my friend he's you know he's got a couple of sons who are like really big star wars fans and when that happened like seeing their reaction was as much fun as seeing what was going on the screen just seeing them Mm -hmm. being like you know kind of wide-eyed at what was going on so uh you know occasionally i like to go back to see a film if it's got a particular kind of you know like effect on an audience and just kind of the one of my big regrets is not seeing fight club a second time knowing the twist so i could you know feel that people kind of you know, being as confused as I was the first time, <laughs> just realizing what's happening, um, you know. But yeah, I really enjoy. I, I mean, you know, I've watched Gone Girl a ton of times on DVD. You know, it's it's like a it's you know it's so well everything by David Fincher is so well directed. But that was such a kind of uh, interesting film. Well, then let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug? Um, so I am in pre-production um, for Joe versus a Minute. It's a minutes by minute podcast about. Joe versus the volcano. So Tyranny and I are going to be covering that 1990 Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan fairy tale one minute at a time. And we're on Twitter and Instagram at Joe versus Minute. And you can find us on MySpace at myspace.com slash the social minute or on Twitter at social underscore minute or on Facebook at the social minute podcast. Thanks, Ms. Wolf, for being my guest here today. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to tomorrow. Oh, 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 oh,